a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get moving with Maria. Inspiration to spend a few minutes each day to get moving on the small things that can make a big difference in your life. Thank you for joining me today for Let's Get Moving. Today we are talking about hydration. And with temperatures over 100 degrees in Utah this week, uh, it's an important topic. Joining me right now is Gina Bria. She's an anthropologist, founder of the Hydration Foundation, and co-author of Quench. And Gina hydration's not just important in these hot summer months. It's really important all year long. Tell us about the importance of staying hydrated. Well, if you understand that your body, that all your body tissues, every cell inside of you is basically a tiny water balloon, you start to get the idea that we are really bodies of water and that flow system of continually saturating and nourishing it is how we... uh, I think most people know, hey, we need to drink enough water. I'm not sure people understand what's enough water. Well, I'd like to talk about this from an anthropology point of view and share very quickly my research uh, in desert communities around the globe. I went to every different area and looked for strategies for hydration in these dwellers who, of course, like many of your people in Utah, don't have access to liquids. So my big research question, Maria, was what? how can they possibly be better hydrated than we are and yet not have access to the liquid? Or let's say it another way we all would recognize, they were not guzzling eight glasses of water a day. And this became a really urgent research question for me. And what I discovered is quite surprising which is they were using the water locked inside of plants in order to hydrate themselves. So they were, if you can think cactus or aloe vera, um, and especially tubers that were buried under the ground on their migration routes. And um, these, this plant source of water, which is actually a more concentrated form of water, I mean, if you look at an aloe plant, you, you get right away that jelly-like quality. Um So what I would really love to help your listeners understand is that if we include more foods in our hydration strategies, we're going to be better hydrated. Even a plant like uh, a leafy green, that leafy green, like a salad you would eat, is 98% water. And it's water that's set up by nature to be absorbed directly into our tissues and cells. What you're talking about is so important because I think we've all been conditioned to think, hey, if I'm just drinking that eight glasses of water a day, I'm doing my job. But a lot of us don't drink eight glasses of water a day. We think we do, but I'm not sure that we're even getting there. Well, the eight glasses a day, so I then, of course, once I stumbled on this, I was like, oh, my God, the world needs to know what's going on. And the ironic part of this story is that while I'm doing this desert research, I'm getting phone calls from my mother's um, nursing home saying, I'm so sorry we had to readmit her for dehydration. 
And uh, this is a chronic condition among the elderly. And I was just in, in, literally in crisis, like, how can I be holding the answer on one side of this equation? And on the other side, yet my mother is here, you know, hospitalized yet again. So to give you a very quick recipe that I devised out of this story, this real-life story I was in, I actually took chia seeds and uh, I sent them to my mother's nursing home and I asked them, look, just stir in a teaspoon in her morning orange juice because the uh, volume of gel released by those chia seeds mimics the same kind of plant uh, strategy like the aloe vera gel. And that extended her ability to absorb that hydration versus the eight glasses a day idea where it literally can transit through our system like a flash flood in less than 10 minutes, pull out the very electrolytes and nutrients that help us stay hydrated and get you deep more. You can be more dehydrated by guzzling more water especially the compromised tap water that we have to deal with today. So switching to foods and knowing how important those are. If I could just get that information to your listeners, I will have done great work today. Okay. Leafy greens, maybe I understand. Chia seeds, I never would have Mm -hmm. thought. So now I'm wondering (laughs) what other foods um, we should be eating to, you know, reach that optimal hydration. Right. Well, it's hot right now, I know, but things like bone broth, uh, uh, foods like, of course, all the fruits and vegetables, cucumbers, watermelons. But why it's so important, not only are they thirst quenching, but they're already packaged by nature to be absorbable. And this is what's different about trying a liquid strategy alone or partnering it with foods. So even putting uh, cucumbers in um in, in your water bottle is going to be an additional percentage of helping you get better hydrated than just liquid alone. Okay, I thought that was just to make it look prettier, taste a little better. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Eat those cucumber slices when you get to the bottom of your water bottle. And uh, again, these um, are very powerful strategies that have been used by cultures, not just desert people, all over. You know, a, a great salsa is a super hydrating strategy. Um, The tomatoes, the peppers, the combination, and then if you add a little uh, uh, salt in there, the salt starts an electrical chain um, within the water molecule itself that gives it uh, an electric charge. It almost makes a magnet or a battery out of it that allows it to get into your tissues and give you more energy. And, uh, you know, sodium issues, of course, are a big deal today. People talk about it a lot, but... um, I'm talking about pinches of salt, which I've uh, done all that research to discover it's a far under the 1,500 milligrams that uh, people worry about with uh, on a low-sodium diet. If you're worried about sodium, just find some electrolyte uh, powders, um, add them to your water, add them to your tea. Uh, find ways to think about hydration a little bit differently. And please don't ever drink a naked glass of water again. It, it is not good for you. It's going to just flush, flush out your, your system and we really want to partner with the way nature goes about hydrating us. So when you say not naked water, how about water mm-hmm. with a lemon slice? Absolutely. First thing I do every morning, just love it. And the uh, not only does the lemon uh, give that flavor to it, but it releases 
magnetic electric charges into the water, which allows that water then to be uh, silkier and more easily absorbed by your tissues. And that's what I mean by don't be drinking a naked glass of water anymore. And, of course, you know, we wrote about this with, I wrote about this with Dr. Dana Cohen. She's an integrative physician in New York City. When I brought this desert research into the medical community, I did not get much, um, you know, traction until I finally found Dana. And she was like, of course I know all of my clients are dehydrated. All my patients are coming in with high sodium in their blood, showing that the water isn't getting into their tissues, even though they're drinking like crazy. And this food strategy is very important. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Part of how we're going to get out of this problem you know, eating something like an avocado is a very valuable strategy for the liquid within that material and then the absorbability of it and the uh, the quality of water you're getting is going to be, you know, blessed by nature, made by nature. Okay, so my avocado toast is, uh, <laughs> is helping me in more ways than I thought, uh, besides the fact that I love it. Um, so... What about fruits, though? What about things like watermelon and strawberries and such? Yeah, let me tell you about an apple, because this is such a straightforward visual for people. But an apple is more hydrating than a bottle of water. And I know that's a shock to hear, but let me make the case for why. Uh, of course, there's water in, in the tissue of the apple. And, in fact, every cell of that uh, apple is a tiny packet of water. It looks like uh, uh, fruit flesh to us, but it's already set up by nature to be super hydrating. And then in addition to that water locked inside each of the cells, there is the pectin, which is a way to um, stabilize the water so that when you eat that, that water is now going to be time-released in a slow-drip irrigation style very different than the way we are guzzling water, which doesn't get absorbed, just just flashes through us. So that apple is set up to bring water into your system, slow down its release over time, and on top of it, it's filled with the nutrition and the electrolytes, which are then uh, delivered to the system through the hydration in that apple. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, nature. <laughs> yeah, so the apple is one that I wouldn't have thought of either. I, I, I mean, watermelon for me comes to mind, right? Because water, sure, right? Because we see it, we see it. But actually, if you think of the cell structure uh, of the cells of all to the plant material, um, that each one of those cells is is literally a tiny circle of like jelly-like water that's more concentrated and ready to be released into our system over time. So you can see how important I feel this message is. This is why I founded the Hydration Foundation, why I wrote the book Quench, which has 50 recipes in it on all sorts of strategies for hydration, sauces, soups, soups, even ice cream, you know, something like a chia pudding with that coconut milk, plus the chia seed together to help uh, create the, the uh, 
absorbability and stability, slow release mechanism. Um, these are these are just great recipes for especially helping our vulnerable elderly, often who are on high medication, and uh, prescriptions are very dehydrating. You know, doctors should tell you if they're going to tell you to take two aspirin and a glass of water, they really should be telling you to take two aspirin and two glasses of water or one aspirin and two glasses of water. We don't get that kind of advising. Um, and we are all dehydrated. We feel it. We're not, we're not, you know what, <laughs> the, the quickest sign that you're dehydrated, you know, people always ask me, how do I know I'm dehydrated? And I'm like, well, are you crabby? <laughs> do you feel creaky? You know, are you, do you go to bed at night feeling deprived and kind of like, wow, not much happened today that made me happy. These are, these are all signs we've lost our buoyancy, right? Our, our juiciness, you know, our, our malleability and, um, that brings me to motion, too, because I know you love to talk about that topic. And movement is, a, is the second half of hydration. You can get that hydration in you, but if you don't gently move your body through the day, you aren't distributing that liquid through the tissues. The, the way our body gets hydrated isn't just the material that goes in. It then has to move throughout your system. So if you can do something like even get your elbows behind your back for a minute. You're going to be pushing, pressing by fluid dynamics, uh, hydration into the tissues, you know, near your spine or near your, if you have that whole frozen shoulder area, this gentle movement is, is how we rehydrate the tissue. So gentle movement is, and, and I'll give you a quick one that I love. I use constantly um, just dropping your chin to your chest. Really simple, just lowering your head down, your chin to your chest, raising it back up. You have just moved the fluid uh, through your entire spinal canal. That's a, a whole spinal canal flush. And now you've uh, re- uh, brought in new hydration to your entire nervous system, all connected through your spine, uh, brought a flush into your brain, get out old waste, move in new hydration. It's as simple as that, but that is how the body is designed to hydrate us. Okay. I would never have thought of that. I've done that five or six times now while you're talking. Um, But let's, for one second, you talked about what dehydration looks like. But for me, I want to know what you think optimal hydration (gasps) looks like. What what difference is that going to make in our lives? Okay. So uh, I'm going to start you off with a statistic that's quite shocking and will help set the frame. 2% 2% reduction in hydration, 2% hydration loss, which you're probably already there, leads to measurable cognitive loss. We can actually watch your uh, brain waves and your executive capacity start to lower as the dehydration rises. So optimal hydration is getting back that 2% and even getting above it through these strategies like gentle movement, high plant diet, um, uh, uh, you know, a positive exposure to sunlight at just the right amount for who you are. These are uh, electromagnetic um, light sources that come in and help our water inside our body become more hydrating, essentially, have more electromagnetic charge. So optimal hydration starts to feel like um, you get out of bed without the stiffness. Your vision becomes more acute because your eye sockets are literally filling up with this water, this gel 
that you're getting enough of now, your body can distribute it. You have more resiliency about the emotional traumas that we're all facing. The stress is deeply dehydrating. And these are strategies to try to get us in the other direction. Right. I think oftentimes uh, I might have a headache and it's more because I'm dehydrated than anything else. Mm -hmm. I think I'm not stressed. What's the deal today? (laughs) Well, you know, we're rushed at all times. It's just a rush to get through the day, to get everything done, uh, especially for women and kids. School kids, I mean, just think about what their schedules are like. All of that pressure and rushing is deeply dehydrating on the chemical level. It's releasing the cortisol, the adrenaline, all of those uh, are chemicals that take a lot more hydration out of our system than they add. So if we're alert to the fact that we need to be caring for ourselves as bodies of water, moving through a day. For ourselves, that. So hang on a second. You you dropped out for a second there. Uh, You said moving through the day and then you kind of dropped out. We missed what you said there. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, I just don't want to miss what you said. (laughs) Right. Well, moving through the day, thinking of yourself as a water entity, a water being, you you need replenishment and being alert to that and knowing that you could just grab an apple or or, uh, nod your head uh, while you're in the car, you know, give yourself um, uh, fluid movement. That's going to make us all much more um, resilient and able to, you know, be with each other in a more um, resilient, positive way. It's it's amazing what hydration is. We really are deeply connected. All our systems are run on hydration in the end. Our circulation, our brain, even our eyesight, as I said, our muscular stiffness, um, cardiology, immune system, pick a system in the body that isn't based on liquid flow or dynamic liquid flow. So if we have that information in our head, it's not about guzzling that eight glasses. It's about, okay, how do I move as a water being through my day? Give myself points of oasis and replenishment. Okay, I have to go back to one thing you said. So we, I get the movement. I get the different foods that I can eat that, that can really help. But go back to sunshine. Yeah, because so, I um, think of sunshine. Yeah. I mean, I love sunshine. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But right? I think yeah. of it as dehydrating. Mm-hmm. Of course, we do. And, of course, a long exposure is. Uh, and I'm not going back to my desert research and going, wow, those people had a lot of uh, hydration strategies for coping with the uh, extremist environments that they were in. But a proper amount of exposure to sun, and that, of course, is going to depend on your skin type and how light or dark you are. This, These are um, electromagnetic signals from the sun made by nature to, we evolved with the need to be exposed. What sunlight does to the molecules in our in our body, all those water cells, is help them, help coordinate them so they signal well back and forth to each other. So not only are there is hydration about being wet, you know, literally being a moist creature, but it's also about um, cell signaling and the electromagnetic information that's passed around the body. And that all depends on the sun, exactly like it does for plants. You know, they can't really grow without exposure to the right amount of sun. 
Gina, this has been a fascinating conversation. I have learned a lot. Um, Any final thoughts that you would like to leave uh, our listeners with? Please know that you are a living body of water. You're encased by skin, but every one of your cells is a tiny little balloon of water. And if you know that about yourself, you think about your aches and pains differently, you think about your headache differently, and you think about, well, what are my strategies for recovery? Then you don't go to the aspirin. You go to the beautiful glass of water with a a squeeze of lemon in it or a splash of apple cider vinegar. You give yourself a little gentle movement and some rest and relief from stress of your day. That's the way to be hydrated. My guest today, Gina Bria. She's an anthropologist, founder of the Hydration Foundation, and co-author of Quench. And Gina, thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure. Thanks for helping me spread this important hydration information. And thank you for listening to Let's Get Moving this week. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so that you can stay updated on all of our latest episodes. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.